0: What's up, America? It's sweetness, your weakness. Sweet D with the sweet flavor you savor. And cry. Yes, I'm cry too. Remember that. This podcast is called Cry Let It All Out. And this is part two of the Tupac and Biggie book, The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. We're going to do chapter two today, The Aftermath. Before I get into the book and we learn about Tupac and Biggie, who we miss very much, who we wish were here, who shouldn't be gone, why are they gone? Oh, it's devastating, right, America? Two of the greatest rappers that ever lived, not here, murdered, and no one has found their killer. Let's find their killer, America. Let's bring to justice and rest Tupac and Biggie's murder. Before I get into the podcast, I'm going to do one of my songs uh, uh, that I wrote way back when. Now, you know I'm 49 years old now, so this is when I was younger. I want you to know that. Uh, Back in 1995, I did this, and uh, it's called Do You Like It Hot? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot? Can you get it on? It's just sugar and spice And everything nice Don't think twice Cause it's out of sight Kinda tight Make you say aye right, Like Starburst A burst of flavor In every bite Step into sweet town Sweet D will give the tour I'm the one who you can't ignore I'm looking for a man To take by the hand Baby Let's go to Candyland Let's miss goody goody Or so you thought This is just the first stop Do you like it hot It's just Just a question. Baby, take some lessons. My only goal is to tantalize with these brown eyes and thighs. Sweet D with the dopest anatomy. If you eat my, you'll have a mouth full of cavities. Let me not forget we're at the second stop. You're screaming for the cops because now I'm on top. Let me get my props because it seems that you cannot take the feeling highlight the ceiling make you feel like you're pop willing do you like it hot or do you like it warm do you like it hot or do you like it warm do you like it hot or do you like it warm do you like it hot can you get it on but as we move to the third place do you want a taste of the sweet jolly rancher baby here's your chance to bite the gummy bear baby have no fear it's the sweetness in the house my dear now let me mention there is a little extension to the plot do you like it hot don't settle you have to go to that other level nice and slow fast as we go whatever your style don't rush it baby like janet said let's wait a while but when it's done, do it in the ways you know no other girl could touch. You tell him, baby, hush, and let me rub your chest. Call out his name, let him know it's the best. Nevertheless, it's me, baby, Miss Sweetness. Going out like this, just the kisses every man's weakness. Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it? Warm? it warm do you like it hot can you get it on what can we do to explore the honey treasures that hold all your pleasures? I can hold all measures. Taste the mounds, you'll love the sounds I'm enjoying and toying with the mic and the crowd. Let me hear you say it loud. The S W Double E to the T. Sweet D is who I be. It's not that easy to get with me, despite my sexual activity. You got to be a man with quality, making moves like Monopoly. When I'm in the mood and groove, there's no stopping me claiming you have a monstrosity, But does it really matter? Because I can last for a minute till I was in the shower. I won't deny you a feeling, feeling your body and mine with the feeling. Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like like it warm? Do you like it hot? Can you get it on and on? The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott The Aftermath Your Fula was a rapper in the group Outlaws Immortals which backed up and toured with Tupac. He was in the car directly behind Suge's rented BMW when the shooting occurred, and he stayed with the BMW as it careened down the Flamingo Avenue in the Strip. Fuller was questioned by detectives at the scene, then rode to University Medical Center where Tupac was being treated. While on his way to the hospital, Yafu Fula used the cell phone to call his mother, Yasmin, and tell her what had happened. He said, call Afeni and tell her Tupac's been shot. Yasmin Fula called her good friend Afeni Shakur and broke the news that Tupac had been gunned down and it was bad. By the time Fenny was contacted by Yasmin, it was morning in Stone Mountain, Georgia, about 20 miles northeast of Atlanta, where Fenny lived in a home Tupac had purchased for her through his record company. If any notice, notified other family members, and then accompanied by Tupac's half-sister, Shikyiwa Shakur and Cousin Dina, caught the earliest flight available to Las Vegas. They arrived in the afternoon and checked into room 1039 at the Golden Nugget Hotel on Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas. Then they left for University Medical Center, about five miles away on West Charleston. Thus, the official death watch began. For the next six days, Tupac's family, friends, and fans kept a 24-hour visual at the hospital. The night before, when Tupac and Suge arrived at the hospital and the ambulances, Suge was admitted and placed in a regular hospital room. Tupac was taken to the trauma center's intensive care unit where a medical team prepped him for emergency surgery. A few hours later, hospital spokesman Dale Pug walked outside and told the big crowd of waiting reporters he's had a right lung removed, he's back in the room, and he remains in critical condition. He has been conscious. He is under a lot of medication, so he's pretty sedated at this time. He's severely injured. Suffering multiple gunshot wounds is obviously a terrible insult to the human body, so he's requiring intensive care, and he's receiving that right now. After the surgery, Tupac was placed on a ventilator and respirator. And the next day, still on life support machines, was put into a drug-induced coma. The only people allowed to visit him that first day, other than family members, were Suge, Mike Tyson, MC Hammer... Actress Jasmine Guy, Kadada Jones, the Reverend Reverend Jesse Jackson, and a local minister, the Reverend Willie Davis. Tyson stood up reporters at a private press conference that Sunday after the fight, but he made it to Tupac's bedside. That morning, Jesse Jackson, accompanied by Reverend James Rogers, president of the local office of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, Baptist Minister Willie Davis, and NAACP assistant to the president, Reverend Chester Richardson, went to the Second Baptist Church in West Las Vegas. There, Reverend Jackson gave a sermon about Tupac. Before you condemn Tupac for calling women bitches and holes in his music, Jackson told the parishioners, you need to understand and know about the background of this man and where he came from. He was raised by a woman who was on crack. He didn't have a real mama. Don't condemn him for talking about his mama and for talking about women, Jackson asked churchgoers to pray for Tupac's recovery. Children and teenagers in the congregation cried as he spoke about the rapper. After stopping at five churches in West Las Vegas, which is known as the West Side and is the largest African-American community in Las Vegas, Reverend Jackson, who first met Tupac when he was 12, stopped at the hospital to visit him. Reverend Davis drove with Jackson to the hospital's trauma unit, where Jackson stood with Davis and prayed at Tupac's bedtime for about 15 minutes. Outside, plainclothes gang unit detectives assigned to the hospital kept a watchful eye on the street surrounding University Medical Center. M.C. Hammer drove up in his dark green Hummer and parked on the street in front of the hospital's trauma unit. Unaccompanied, he walked silent past reporters with his head down, ignoring their questions. That Sunday, T-shirts with Tupac's photo were already being sold on a corner at D Street and Jackson Avenue in the heart of the West Side. Homicide detectives and crime scene analysts finished their work at the scene as the sun was rising that Sunday morning, then returned to their offices to work on their reports. Kevin Manning wrote a one-page press release and faxed it to the local media. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department media release. September 8th, 1996, event number 960908-2063, Sergeant Kevin Manning, Homicide Section, phone 229-3521. September 8th, 1996, at approximately 11.15 p.m., LVMPT patrol officers were at the Maximum Hotel on an unrelated call when they heard several shots being fired from Flamingo Road and Koval Lane. The officers looked to the area of the shots from the Maximum parking garage. They saw several vehicles and numerous people in the street. Several of the vehicles made a U-turn from eastbound Flamingo to westbound Flamingo, leaving the area at a high rate of speed. The vehicles were stopped at the intersection of Las Vegas Boulevard and Harmon. Bike patrol officers were first on the scene and discovered two men suffering from gunshot wounds. Medical assistance was requested and the two victims were transferred to UMC Trauma. The victims have been identified as Tupac Shakur, 25, and Marion Knight, 31. Shakur was the passenger in the vehicle and received several gunshot wounds. He was still in surgery, and the injuries were considered serious. Knight received a minor wound to the head and was expected to be treated and released. The investigation so far has determined that the Shakur and Knight group had attended the Tyson fight and were headed for a local nightclub. The group consisted of approximately 10 vehicles that were traveling in a loose convoy. As the vehicles approached the intersection of Flamingo and Corval, a late 90s white four-door Cadillac containing four people pulled up beside Shakur. secure Beside the Shakur and night vehicle, and one of the people in the Cadillac started shooting into the Shakur Night vehicle. The suspect vehicle then fled south on Koval. Anyone with information in regard to this incident is urged to call Secret Witness at 385-5555 or Metro Homicide at 229-3521. Two detectives, Brent Becker and Mike Franks, waited outside Suge Knight's hospital room early Sunday morning to interview him about what he saw. Suge claimed to be too busy with visitors passing through his room to talk to police. Suge instructed a nurse to ask the detectives to come back later. But at eleven o'clock Sunday morning, Suge was released before the detectives returned to the hospital to take his statement. Suge went home to Las to the Las Vegas to his Las Vegas estate without giving a witness statement to the police. Two days later on Tuesday, Suge Knight's three attorneys, David Chestnoff and Steve Steiner in Las Vegas and Dave Kenner from Los Angeles, made arrangements with detectives to meet at Homicide Headquarters on West Charleston Boulevard, about four miles from the hospital. All three are defense attorneys. Sergeant Manning said detectives had many conversations with the attorneys in setting up the meeting. The lawyers told the investigators that Shug was still recovering from his shrapnel wound. But their biggest fear, attorneys told detectives, was that Shug would be inundated by press before and after the meeting. To guard against this, neither the time nor the location of the meeting was released to the media beforehand. Sergeant Manning and Detectives Franks and Becker waited three hours on Tuesday, September 10th, but the four, some never showed. The investigators grew impatient and went home for the night. One of Shig's attorneys later told the detectives that they did go to the homicide headquarters that evening, but not until after 6 p.m. when no one was there. The next day, Wednesday, September 11th, four days after the shooting, Suge Knight and his attorneys again made arrangements and did finally meet with police at homicide headquarters. Detectives interviewed Suge for less than an hour. One detective said it was about thirty minutes. Another said forty-five minutes. In an interview room off the lobby of the single-story office complex, Shug offered little, if any, new information. He told them he heard something but saw nothing. We were hoping he would tell us who shot him. Sergeant Manning said he didn't give us anything beneficial. Nothing he said helped us. Manning said the only real evidence investigators had was the number of bullet holes in the passenger door of the BMW. Manning issued a press release that day after Homicide's interview with Suge Knight, dated September 12, 1996. Latest information regarding the Lysanne P. Crooks Aka Tupac Shakur, and Marion H. Knight, aka Suge, shooting update. On the evening of 9 11 96, the attorneys for Marion Suge Knight made arrangements for Knight to be interviewed by LVMPD homicide investigators. Knight made himself available for the interview but was unable to give the investigators any information that would help him in determining a motive, nor was he able to help identify possible suspects. The investigation is at the same juncture. Investigators are hopeful someone will be able to provide information of substance. As a $1,000 reward is available for information leading to the arrest and conviction of suspects, anyone with information is urged to contact Secret Witness at 702-385-5555 or LVMPD Homicide at 229-3521. Meanwhile, Tupac remained in a coma. Oh, we miss you, Pac. A doctor treating him said only that he had a 50-50 chance of survival. However, Dr. John Fields, medical director of the University Medical Center's trauma unit, elaborated, telling a reporter that the gunshot wounds Tupac suffered usually proved fatal, but that Tupac had passed a critical phase. Overall, of all comers with the gunshot wound in the chest that passes through the blood vessels connecting the heart and lungs, only one in five survive, Fields said. The majority die in the first 24 to 48 hours from shock and bleeding during the treatment and surgery phase. Wow. For victims who survived the first 24 hours, he said, the chances of survival would be more than one in five. He said patients with wounds similar to Tupac's also die during the second major risk period. After five or seven days, when difficulties in oxygenation or the presence of infections or other complications arise, Fields emphasized that he wasn't treating Shakur but simply commenting on the chances of survival for someone suffering such injuries. Tupac underwent two surgeries to stop the interval bleeding. The second was to remove his right lung. A measure, doctors said, was the only way to stop the bleeding. Still, the bleeding didn't stop, and his doctors were stumped. A third surgery was scheduled, but Tupac Shakur died. It could be died before it could be done. It was Friday the 13th. Danny Boy, a teenage rapper and rhythm blues singer with death row label, who was said to be Suge Knight's next hit maker and Tupac's protege, broke down and crumbled to the sidewalk outside University Medical Center upon hearing the news of Tupac's death. Danny Boy was the only man at the hospital that day who openly wept for Tupac. Let's take a moment of silence for Tupac. Cry, let it all out. For Tupac, the podcast. Afeni Shakur made the decision not to resuscitate her son. She later told ABC's primetime live, "I really felt it was important for Tupac, who fought so hard to have a free spirit. I felt it was important for a spirit to be allowed to be free." So I rejoiced with him, with the release of his spirit. I rejoiced then, and I rejoice now, when I'm not crying. Cry let it all out. More and more of Tupac's friends filed into the trauma unit after the news of his death spread. A crowd of roughly 75 mourners gathered outside the hospital. Nice. A nurse said evening shift employees scheduled to work that night called in sick because they were afraid to walk through the crowd. Dozens of police surrounded the area, but there was no problems. A black Lexus drove up to the hospital, pulling over in a no-parking zone in front of the trauma center. Danny Boy cried as he embraced one of the men who got out of the car. It was Shug Knight. Shug, six foot four, weighing about 315 pounds, was wearing a crisp, crisp white T-shirt, black jeans, and brand new white leather sport shoes. He was smoking a cigar, He opened the front passenger door and got out of the car. Holding the cigar in his right hand, he slowly sauntered from the curbside, strolling past Metro gang cops, fans, and a few reporters. After hugging Danny Boy, he walked through the glass doors to the trauma center's lobby. Few people appeared to recognize Suge. They just stood quietly by and watched. Only one photographer took a photo as Suge approached the hospital to pay his respects to Tupac's mother. Suge looked right through the photographer with a blank stare and kept walking. His face was emotionless. Suge had the air of a linebacker and bodyguard. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. He used to be, as he soberly walked by, he appeared unconcerned for his own safety, despite rumors circulating that there was three contracts on his head and that he was not Tupac, had been the intended target of the shooters. What no one what no one knew then except the cops was that Suge had gone that day to register as a felon in the state of Nevada. As a convicted felon, he was required to tell his parole officer he was leaving California, and within 48 hours of arriving in Nevada, he was mandated by law to register with Metro. He did that on the day Tupac succumbed to his wounds. Six days after Tupac was gunned down, Suge had his mugshot taken and fingerprinted and put in the state's convicted felon registry. Once inside the hospital lobby, Shug confronted a Shakur and told her not to worry, that he and Death Row Records would take care of her financially. He told her that he and Tupac had made a promise to each other. The family of whoever died first would be taken care of by the other. Tupac's mother told Shug that if there was to be a memorial service, she wanted everyone to wear white, not black. Suge, in a video about Tupac's life, titled Thug Immortal, said if any told him, Tupac has gone to a better place. He's free now. Nobody can do nothing to him. right. I sat back and I thought, yeah, can't nobody arrest him, Suge remembered. Can't nobody try to put him down. Can't nobody fire shots at him. Can't nobody hurt him no more. He's in heaven and a better place. I sat back and I thought, yeah, can't no... Sorry. After learning that Tupac's body had already been removed from the hospital, Suge and the men he came with, walked out of the hospital quietly, got into the Lexus, and drove away. Gang cops appeared relieved. Word began to circulate that the coroner had used the back entrance to remove Tupac's body, taking him in a van from the hospital to the coroner's office around the corner. Danny Boy walked to the front of the hospital, to the driveway used by ambulances, sat down on a curb with a friend, and sobbed again. A crew member put his arm around him and confronted, comforted him. They stayed there for about 15 minutes. Some of the fans who had been keeping the hospital vigil left and went to the coroner's office where Tupac's autopsy, autopsy would be performed. We had them at our back doors. We had them driving by. We had them calling. It got ridiculous, said Ron Flood, who had been the Clark County Coroner for 13 years and was a cop with the North Las Vegas Police Department before that. We had local miniatures show up and say, Suge wanted us here. First of all, as far as coming into the office, only the next of kin has any kind of control over the body. And the only reason you let him in is to identify the body. Tupac had already been identified by his mother. We're dealing with evidence and we're very protective as to who is going to be around. Nobody goes into the autopsy except who we control. There were requests to be there for all kinds of people, medical personnel, cops, firefighters. We said why. I'm going to stop there in The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. That's Chapter 2. This is Cry. I'm going to read a poem now. Um that I wrote about to my mother, I got a few minutes here ago. She let me know and some things you'd have to see on your own. I don't think she wanted to fill my head with all her views for life roads you have to have at intervals, just cruise. Control useful when it's time to make a right turn. Always have a spare for those times when you get stuck, who knows where. Everyone has one lucky star, and yours just could be a striking sight. Shining nightly. are lights posted to guide you through the dark streets' unknown happenings occur. Don't live life fearful of anything but his word. Sweet D, sweetness, sweet D with the sweet flavor you savor. I'm cry, and that is m- My other name, cry, let it all out podcast. See you next time. Bye.